Well, Journey's podcast, we're back with part two of my interview with Jock Reed Hill. May the journey never end. So last week, uh, you heard the first part of my interview with Jock Reed Hill. We chatted about backpacking Europe, Istanbul and stuff like that. Uh, and t- today, the uh, travel chat continues, of course, with Jock. Um, so... There's not much more to say, but may the podcast begin. Round two. Ah, yes, indeed. It's a very warm welcome back to Jock Reed Hill. Yay! How have you been since we last talked to you? Ecstatic. It's been a great time. <laughs> it's been a great time. Um, so last time we were, we were talking about your experiences in the UK, in France, mm-hmm. and Turkey. Yes, in Rio, Turkey. Uh, yeah. Istanbul. It was fantastic. Uh, probably due to meeting all the good people, like the mad people you meet. There are some true, some true lunatics. Uh, met a um, met a German in Turkey called Alex. This was lovely. He is, uh, he just got out of school. He, apparently they still have some form of military service in, in Germany. Like once you finish school, you're just obliged to do it unless you send him a letter saying otherwise. And he said, no, I'm a pacifist. And then took the bonus they give you for finishing school and immediately went traveling. So I bumped into him. And, they give you um, a bonus for finishing Apparently they give us like a hundred, a hundred euros or something as a life business. So he had gone to Turkey for a little bit. He'd gone to Bucharest and Budapest and... A uh, hundred euro? I uh, had some saved up as well. They give you a big bonus. He had another seven euro in the... In yeah, the at least three. seven or eight. Eventually he was down to not much and when we last saw him he was off to Goa in India so he could live like a prince for a while. Uh, but he was a fantastic in the fact I met him over a hookah and the only reason that I was allowed to by... That's a uh, hookah, not a hookah. Not a hookah. We met him over a hookah that would have probably been a little more... Awkward, but uh, so he shared this and I met him and he uh, didn't speak a word of English when he went traveling And he'd apparently gone to Australia for a while and worked and he had been uh, In the Northern Territory so as you can tell he'd learned English from Australians who have figured out how to swear They had taught him how to swear properly in Australia amazing hearing him swear was almost beautiful Put so much emphasis in a proper German emphasis. So if he happened to say the lovely F word, it would be like that, he would say the most weird and obnoxious things and he didn't quite understand English properly so it made him a beautiful companion to wander around with. You wouldn't stop laughing at what he said. And he knew what he was saying, he has a great time. Meeting people who have been taught English by an Ocker Australian is a very strange thing indeed. So uh, well, with him and a lovely girl who spoke in a very high-pitched American accent but was uh, Georgian and went off to the markets in Istanbul and was one of the most beautiful things. Have you been to the bazaar there? I have. Can you check it out? That was fantastic. I didn't realize how misogynistic they were. And they are properly misogynistic. So the three of us are in there. I've decided these hookahs are so nice, I'm going to get one for me on the way back. It led to a relatively embarrassing thing in uh, Malaysia with that stuffed in a backpack and carry-on luggage. Uh, so it is essentially a giant bong. And the Malaysian people think that's funny. And in a country where they kill you for trying to bring drugs in there, it made me a little bit nervous. 
either way, we went in there. Uh, did you get it back to Australia? Yes, I did. And it lasted a good three years before it broke in mysterious circumstances. <laughs> I use it as a vase now. Uh, <laughs> the base of it. Um, but anyway, there with Natalie and Alex. That was her name, Natalie. And we walked in there, and Alex was meandering around being German. And Natalie had come in with me to this store and went, Oh, I'd have some of this. And met two beautiful people prior, so the, some of the only Australians we met overseas that didn't seem to be crazy and properly... Well, they didn't seem like the type of Australians that we didn't want to keep overseas. They were lovely people from Sydney. And they had already had their experiences, and we said, so can you give us some tips for, give us some tips for haggling over there? Because we're going to go there, I know I'm going to get ripped off because I'm a stupid tourist. And I said, well, here's what you do, is you go and you show a bit of interest, argue with them for a bit, and then go to leave. And when they go to leave, just pretend to leave and they will, they'll, they'll have a bit of a, they'll go, okay, 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 I'll give it to you cheaper. And I go, that's a fantastic, I'm going to try this. So I walked in there with Natalie and began haggling with this guy. And it was very funny because she would try to haggle as well. And he would take one look at her and disregarding him, no, no, I'm not doing this, blah, 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 be quiet, I'm talking to him. And I thought that is A, really rude and B, really good for me because now I can actually get angry and it seems legitimate. So how dare you, blah, 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 I want this for cheaper now because you've insulted her, how dare you. And eventually he did it again and went, oh, well, right, and went to walk out. He goes, okay, 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 not, not 100 lira, I'll give it to you for 50 lira. And I said, yes, okay, I'll take 50 lira. I'll have a packet of coals and I'll have those two packets of tobacco while you're at it. Thank you very much. It was lovely. We did that all afternoon. She, uh, I kept asking if it was all right. She said it was fine. She was, <laughs> unfortunately, a little bit used to that sort of treatment in Turkey. But, um, yeah, it was a useful strategy for getting things cheaper than I might have otherwise. So I thank her for putting up with that to this day. So, uh, yeah, if you're ever in Turkey, watch out for that. It's um, very peculiar. It doesn't happen so much over here. Not in the public eye very often. I wonder what it's like on a female on her own. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, uh, what was it, the one tip I heard is walk. Always look like you know where you're going and you're not taking any shit. I just meant haggling. Haggling, no, <laughs> that's probably the same thing too. Wander right by. Them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's business. And, it's yeah, cut and, 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 and in a bazaar like that, there's a lot of competition. Mm. So at the end of the day, it's it's one thing if it's a if it's a male and female together, but if it's just a female on their own, there, I think the shopkeepers are going to have to play ball. Yeah, they will have to play ball, but it doesn't mean they're going to be nice about it. I think that they're actually, uh, some of them anyway, this guy was, he looked particularly old hat. He looked like he'd been doing this a long time and probably wasn't particularly interested aside from the money of having yet another tourist in his store. But it was, uh, and several of the others as well, but yeah, there was that guy and one other who were really bad at it. The rest of them were okay. The younger crowd normally don't mind. So it's just something you have to be aware of, I suppose. So thinking back to your trip, before you left, how, how, how did you plan... How did you budget? Mm. Um, how was it all done? The budgeting was a very favourable tax return and then said, well, I've already got that. I may as well save a bit more and decide what to do with it. Uh, my friend Matt had kind of idly suggested, oh, I'd like to go overseas. I'd like to see the Hagia Sophia. That would be lovely. He had he just had a sister that had taken up residence in, in England in a small town. He just town. had a sister? He just had a sister, yes. That's discovered She'd been away for ages and been out of contact, and suddenly they heard from her again. At least I think that's how it was. And she'd had a, had a kid with a lovely Englishman, and uh, so I was going over there to see the baby, and he thought, oh, I'd like to go over there. But uh, it was one of those wishy-washies, what if? I said, well, I have the funds there. Let's do it. Let's just go. And he told me as we came back after 
uh, discovering how much you can put each other through when you're on the road like that. Uh, while having a traveling companion is nice, you got to be aware there are times when you're probably going to get on each other's nerves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we discovered a lot about each other on that trip, but it... The only reason I went was because he had kind of put it forward, and the only reason he went, he told me, was because that I'd said, yeah, do that. Let's do that. Let's do that right now. How did you decide on your destinations? Well, it was more the choice that he wanted to see the Hagia Sophia, and I found that quite interesting as well. So Turkey was decided upon, like, the whole trip idea was Turkey. Because uh, we're heading over there anyway, we thought may as well see his family while we're there. Maybe get a free, yeah, spent, um, spent Christmas with them, which was lovely. And uh, learnt the traditions of Christmas in, in Britain in a wonderful British fashion. They're mad. They are mad. But, uh, yeah, I decided I'd like to see France. I'd like to see Paris. So he essentially picked one, I picked one, and the third one was agreed upon. So and how long did you go for? Oh, a little over a month. We spent the most time in Turkey. Oh, so, okay. We did spend a stopover in Berlin, which was interesting, but that was fleeing into the city uh, because we had... I think it was 20 hours layover, which was in, in the, the communist airport, in the, the old communist one, which isn't a, which isn't a pleasant place. At you know it's morning. not communist anymore, right? Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it still kind of seems like the whole block business going on there were crazy homeless people living in the toilets there. It was very, very peculiar. In the airport? In the airport, and the guards didn't care. So it was, yeah, it was, it was very strange. We had a... We had a, uh, a German guy sit down when we uh, were waiting there. We'd just gone into Berlin to have a quick run around. Did a nice eight-hour tour. Beautiful place. Just after New Year's, so it was covered in rubbish, and they were cleaning it up, so it wasn't quite so good. But passed out at the airport. Uh, sat there reading a book. My friend Matt went to sleep, and a crazy homeless guy came over and sat down right next to him. Not, not on the bench where we were. We took up the whole bench. This is a quiet corner of the, of, of the uh, Berlin airport. There was nowhere else to go in that area except for a staff, a staff area you couldn't go through. This fellow wandered up, kind of shaggy and disheveled, as you might expect. Like he, he fit the picturesque version of a hobo. Like you'd see him in a comic book, this is what he'd look like. He sat down right at the end of the bench next to my sleeping friend's head and took one look, a good long look at my friend. And I was watching him going, please don't do anything. This is too early in the morning for this rubbish. And he looked over, had a good long look at him. Had a good long look at me, had another good long look at him, I might say a little bit hungrily, it kind of worried me a bit. Sat back with a bottle in his hands and started howling, and a few other words I, I don't remember now, but I caught them at the time. And, uh, well, my friend woke up, and, um, as you might expect, and had a really good long greasy at the fellow, who then relocated somewhere else while he was singing to himself. It was only when we spoke to Alex in Turkey afterwards that we found out what he was saying, and apparently he sat down next to us and pretty much just screamed, Masturbation! 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 Oh at two in the morning. Did you, did you spend the night in the airport, did you? Uh, we, it was two in the morning when that happened, and at four o'clock we got a flight to Turkey. Pretty much, basically. You didn't, you didn't have... You did not have a... Um... A hotel book to them. No, we didn't. Uh, we, we, there, it was only supposed to be something along the lines of we got back to the, from our tour, we got back on time for our flight at 11 o'clock, but there'd been a security concern with some Australian passenger. So that held everybody up for four hours in the middle of the night. 
Oh, so you were supposed to leave. A yeah, it was bit. supposed to be gone around 12, and it was about 4.30 when we finally got out, and as the sun rose and we saw it, so I looked out the window and saw, well, that sun's rising, this is magnificent. <laughs> yeah, the head fell full. I woke up with my head on the seat in front of me drooling. It was that bad. That the time. only good thing I can say about, you know, spending a night in an airport and then taking an early morning flight is generally you, it's the one time you can sleep on the flight. Yep. I, I got one at, at Moscow Airport back in 1999. Um, it, it was just, I decided that uh, I was going to save $25 on the, well, I would have had to have taken a taxi in the middle of the night because I would have, the flight was 7 o'clock, but you'd have to be there at 5 o'clock. So I would have had to take a taxi at 4 o'clock that was going to cost mm. more than the accommodation. Um, <laughs> and plus the accommodation, so I decided to skimp because that's what you do when you're a nasty backpacker. Yeah, you're nasty, backpacker. And I took backpacker. public transport out there at about 10 o'clock the previous night. Yeah. Uh, ended up costing me about two bucks to get out there. So, you know, money saved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I suppose it gives you a life experience if you were there. I'm assuming some very interesting things can happen in a mosque. Not much well. happened. Not really? much happened, but I can tell you they didn't turn the lights off and uh, all the plastic chairs had armrests between them. Oh, no. So there was they nowhere to coming. lie out. There was nowhere to lie out. Um, and, and the floor was just hard concrete. I slept, I slept at Heathrow uh, next to my bag, but that was on carpet. It wasn't so bad. Mm. But I really didn't get any sleep because I would have been sitting. And I, I remember I was flying to Frank, Frankfurt um, at 7 o'clock in the morning. And... All I can tell you is I remember getting on the plane and then we were in Frankfurt. <laughs> that sounds like I don't plane. even remember that taking off like the landing. That sounds like the perfect plane ride. That's that really is good. the perfect plane ride. It wasn't a long... Unfortunately, it was only about... Only just over an hour, maybe yeah, two hours, far, maybe but... maximum two hours. Um, so it wasn't like... Um, see, that'd be wonderful if it was a nine-hour plane ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, the longest we did was 14. 14 hours. We just keep going... No, not even. Don't you feel like you've been in the air for like 16 hours? It turned like... into, they turned the lights off just to pretend we had some sort of normal scene. It was like another world. A whole bunch of sleeping people. You're not sure who was going to go crazy. The inevitable, and I don't know why you'd take a baby on a 14-hour flight, but they did. I thought there was a law against something like that. But the no, poor, the poor devil was pretty, pretty much every yeah. flight you let Look, the poor devil was very well behaved considering what was going on. It only ever started crying when it came to the air pressure changing. But... Uh, yeah, all your electronic devices at that point have already run out of battery by the time you finish that and you've already finished the book you were reading. So it's, I mean, bless Kindles in that regard. Probably wouldn't have to go through that these days. But, oh, yeah. Airline food, be honest, isn't that bad. It's just really bad if you've had it a lot. And it just isn't that good. No, it's certainly not good. It's certainly not people say, oh, I ate the cutlery instead, it was more edible. No, it's food, it's fine, it goes in your stomach. You, you... It's just not something you look forward to. Yeah, no, it's something that just happens. It's a necessity. But, mm. yeah. But uh, who did you fly with, Malaysian? No, oh, we went with, um, oh, I think it was Kuala Lumpur Air at the time. I think that's what it was. Yeah, so we went to Kuala we had a stop off in Kuala Lumpur, which was two of them. That was mad. Um, I suppose a lot of it was crazy. It's all culture differences. The uh, yeah, it was getting the um, getting that hookah back through customs. That was funny. That was incredibly entertaining. I as a lesson to everybody who wants to go traveling, don't take steel cap boots. You have to take them off at every single airport you ever go to. I thought it'd be a good idea. Good walking boots. 
no, this just means that I wound up standing there in nothing but trousers and a t-shirt so many times at the, the airport. Uh, and in this particular occasion, yes, they, they made me do exactly that. And my only carry-on luggage for this short flight back to Australia was a book and the hookah that had been disassembled and stashed in my backpack. If you haven't been to, to Kuala Lumpur or the actual airlines, have you been there before? I've been through Kuala Lumpur. You see, there are um, exceedingly frequently. Ah, uh, those. Uh, it'll be my most. Um, but uh, yeah, earlier this year I went through their new terminal, mm. the KLIA two, which is pretty miserable. Um, <laughs> I've been far too many times at the even worse LCCT, the low cost carrier terminal. I think that was us. That was what they've replaced with the KLIA two. So oh, so thank God that it's at least better than that. Um, but for some reason, I, I don't think I've ever known an airport that with the toilets in worse condition. It's yeah, it's not pretty. But, is. And the sad thing is, though, that if you go through KLIA one, it's one of the best airports in the world. It's absolutely beautiful. There's so many mm. shops. It's well designed. It looks great. Everything's clean. There's so many outlets. Um, you know, it's easy. You could, you know, if you. And that I was the problem. Gone through there. Ours wasn't particularly. The toilets were horrific, but the place itself wasn't that bad. It was just nothing special. It wasn't just another airport. Well, the LCCT was a was basically just a big shed. Um, no, no, I must have gone through uh, the other one at the time. Okay, well, I, I have no idea. It it wasn't that bad. It didn't seem like a giant shed to me. Okay. I didn't have extensive. I probably don't have the extensive airport. Uh, knowledge you do, but I can tell you one thing: I am pretty much, very much sick of them. So it's, but yeah, the the security guards there are, are fantastic. You see, the proper Muslim headdress, and I don't know about everybody else, but if somebody smaller than you carrying a semi-automatic weapon, wearing a beret, is wandering around, you keep an eye on them. That like you think they're up to something. I find berets very offensive headgear. Not in the fact that you look at it and go, "Ooh, it's a beret," but you look at it and think, "You mean business." And with the headscarf underneath and the proper military or the police uniform on at the time, wandering into, like, having to take the belt, the shoes, everything metal off me and go through the metal detectors, the bag with the hookah running through the, the detector, and these wonderful people sitting here. There's a, there's a chap that came up to about my shoulders and a woman, and the woman was just watching the scanner, and as I'm standing there feeling pretty naked at this point in time, look over and see this, this little lady who happens to have a gun on her, just kind of smiling and smiling and sniggering quietly at the television, going <laughs> cheeky glances at me. And her, oh, this isn't good. This is really. I'm getting a bit nervous now, as you might think. She calls over another guard, which doesn't help the presence. Uh, and he takes one look at it and just starts laughing, looking at me, going, <laughs> "Oh no, I'm in a lot of trouble now. This is going to end very badly." I, I was picturing maybe getting taken to this shed with a rag over my head or something like that. Lean over, and it's just got the hookah set up perfectly in the bag in the, in the x-ray division, so it, all the pieces are lined together, so it looks like a brilliant bong. Like just an amazing bong. Like The entire bag is one bong. It looks like you could just stick a pipe out the top of it and sort yourself out. Uh, yeah, they, they thought I was very funny. Um, I'm just still happy I didn't get shot. So it was... You have these paranoid instincts. It, as you're traveling, you can't, and I don't think anybody tells you about that. Is it's airport security, you're going to be a little bit paranoid. Especially when you come down into the place and it says, if you would like to remind you that if you're smuggling anything in, we, uh, it carries a mandatory death penalty in you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's, um, 
It was good. Do they still do that? I haven't been there for... Yeah. X-ray everything. Well, no, tell you that you're going to get shot if you try to smuggle anything in the country. It's a friendly I don't, I don't recall those. I mean, I've been through so many airports, mate. I just, you stop caring. Yeah, yeah. To see the... I'd feel sorry for the... Uh, the, the only thing that annoys me at airports is the time that it takes. I'm just like... Mm. The only thing I worry about is, oh, God, we're going to be stuck there. I mean, coming back to Melbourne, I've been... Um, I've been red lane so many times. Red lane for, for listeners um, means basically maybe you've got something suspicious about you and they want to go through all your bags. Why would you do they give you a reason for that? Yeah, just because you've travelled so No, much? it's because of the locations that were stamped in my passport, I was told. Basically, a couple of times coming back from Africa. Oh, just, just and they're, they're not looking for drugs. They're looking for uh, or anything like or legal. looking for all they're looking for like dirt or yeah. stuff like that or um yeah organic stuff. So yeah, if you have anything mildly organic, uh, a friend of mine tried to bring a pair of bongos back. Why buy bongos in Indonesia? I don't know, but he did. He was bongos. He was bongo. <laughs> no, they ended up confiscating them because it had natural like wood, and I had to go all through it and check for any dirt fibers because they're trying to keep us. I don't know. Healthy. They have a problem with wood in Australia when you're coming in. Just yeah. anyone that's coming to Australia, don't have too much wood on you, uh, especially if it's like artifacts or something like that. Mm. Like if you're coming from Africa and you've got a mask. Although um, I do remember um, I bought I bought my dad a birthday present of an African mask when I was in Cameroon, um, but I I saw him in France because we both went to France at the same time. Um, so I gave it to him then, so that I didn't have to bring it back to Australia. Fantastic! I'm going to get a good anecdote out of this one. Uh, yeah, but apparently he had no problems going through the. Really? So, so it was a bit disappointing, really. I was hoping to hear he was detained for three hours. And <laughs> I was in that red lane. Uh, I've been in that red lane coming back when I was, I was away. Came back with. Um, well, of course, hookah tobacco. It was all sealed and, and, and packaged. Have you got any any organic goods? Well, I have organic goods. I don't really want to be called out for this. So I went into that line and stood there feeling pretty sorry for myself. And the I have something to declare line. No, I don't feel sorry for myself. The people in there, like you, who were getting their bags completely destroyed and fingered through, they look depressed. But all your careful packing, everything rolled up perfectly for a backpack. I'll tell you, with, with, the possible, with the possible exception of the States... Australia has the most serious border mm. customs officials you'll ever see. They don't crack a smile. No. And they just like, like you are guilty until proven innocent in their eyes. Um, and, I mean, in Australia we have all these shows where they video the border security stuff, the, mm. the you know. Ooh. It's cops. It's Australian version of cops. Yeah, but it's just people going through, you know. Mostly Chinese people's bags looking for strange herbs <laughs> and Chinese medicine and and, and and then, you know, trying to make the, the, the poor person that didn't realise they weren't allowed to bring it into the country look like an Feel idiot. Really, yeah, no, they're, they're not... Um, they're not really... The lady who did go through my bag was very nice. Intentionally but. quite a racist way of looking at it, I think, the way they present that show. It is... It's one of those those awful situations where you're even if there are criminals that are more inclined to be of a particular country, you're going to have to drag people from that country away, and that looks racist whether you're doing it for a good reason or not. Which is it's difficult, like flip side of the coin, and it it doesn't matter how you're doing if you're dealing with that. There's going to be an element of xenophobia to it. Mm. It's awful, but that's why we travel. It's the enemy of bigotry, I think Mark Twain said. So it's a wonderful thing. Having said 
that, I flew to Stockholm once. Oh, on my the blessed Sweden. 2009, um, I, and I, I, I was going around the Baltics and Russia there, and I started in Stockholm. And um, it was obviously not a very busy time of the day at the airport. <coughs> Everybody in the entire plane walked past the customs, and the only person that got picked was me. I was the only person. <laughs> I had a backpack. Maybe it was the only one with a backpack on the floor. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, going into Malaysia, the scary little dudes with the, uh, the no, they were standing around, quite, actually lounging and, and wielding firearms and lounging with berets on. I walked up to the line. It's the berets, oh, isn't it? It's You're the anti-beret. No, I am anti-beret. I'm surprised anti-beret you went to France. France. There actually weren't many berets in France that I saw. A lot of dogs in cafes, but no berets. It was very disappointing. I expected I everybody know. to be wearing a beret, have a striped... Striped, horizontal and baguettes and with baguettes under their arms. Sometimes stereotypes don't work that well. At all. <laughs> France now. <laughs> fuck off. Bonsoir France. Yes, we wouldn't get the time of day if we didn't say bonsoir. Parlez-vous anglais. <laughs> Awful. But anyway. So, you've told us how you chose your uh, destinations. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you kind of work out how much money you'd need for your trip? First of all, I came back with just about nothing. But it was... Yeah, this is how it was. So I budgeted correctly in money. <laughs> um, Who needs money when you yes. come home? You just start um, saving for your next trip. The yeah, it came through as looking at exchange rates was a good thing. Like understanding how much money you were going to get and understanding that you are staying in a capital city, it's probably going to be more expensive than most of the other outlying areas. Unless you're in Chisinau, the capital of Moldova. Really, that's cheaper than the rest of Moldova. I don't know about that, but Virginia. Just, yeah. it doesn't strike me as a particularly expensive place. Oh, I, I can't imagine Moldova someplace. Let's go to Moldova this year. Home of the drumming grannies from the 2004 Eurovision. I'm not sure if I'd like to go there. I think, I think Conchita Worst was good enough for me this year. She was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was more of um, checking exchange rates, already either booking or looking at how much accommodation is going to cost. And then making sure you have more than that. That was a lot of the thing. I did. Keeping a fair stash aside for food and, and whatnot, and souvenirs and that sort of, uh, as the natural. Did you have an approximate daily budget or a budget for the four, four weeks or whatever? Or? Um, pretty much laid out uh, it was about four grand and said, this is what I'm going to spend. And that was not including the flights? Or was uh, that, that was the flights. We got it, uh, the dirt cheap flights for... Um, uh, the flights for I can't remember we booked them way well in advance when we both decided we were going to so we got the flights around Europe were not much at all but it was a big return ticket from Australia to Heathrow and that set us back 1200 at the time it was amazing it was pretty cheap yeah it was for dis- London for yeah we it was disgusting especially yeah we booked it that far in advance that it was one of those things that was a deal on or something like that I wasn't the actual one who booked it but that's how much I wound up paying so it just went Beautiful. We'll take that. And when you left Istanbul, did you have to go back to Heathrow to come back to Australia? Uh, yes. So you were doing the budget airlines in Europe, were you? Like yep. Ryan Flying over. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure it was Ryanair specifically. It was Easy one... EasyJet? EasyJet. I think it was EasyJet. How was it? Because I heard they are really basic. Oh, basic's a good word for it. Yeah, a lot of other people would probably use some very simple four-letter words to describe them. But, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't... Um, you're very thankful that it's only an hour 
Yeah, spending two hours on that, you might murder a stewardess or something like that. Somebody was gonna, somebody was gonna flip if you're on that uh, that basic airline for that amount of time. Well, I mean, it's all about finding the the flights with the airlines that, that you want. I guess I flew Baltic Air a couple of times, um, who are kind of somewhere they're not a they're, they're, they're not quite a budget, but they're not really a, they're mm. not a full they're far from they're not full luxury, service, yeah. but. Um, they have longer haul flights. I flew from Central Asia, Uzbekistan, to Heathrow, mm-hmm. which was an overnight flight, change at Riga, flight into to Heathrow, which was about an hour and a half, I think, or two hours from Riga, Latvia. Um, and that was 198 euro all up. So they're, they're out there if you can find them. That That's exceptional. That's all right. Because it was like, there was the first flight was like, I think, around seven hours. So... Um, that seems just good. Was, was it all right to sit on a plane like one of them for that long? I'm assuming it was relatively basic. It left at 2 a.m., which is one of the reasons I think they fly at times. <laughs> they <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, two in the morning, um, they can't get anybody else. And that was an interesting airport experience too. I um, they're very particular in Uzbekistan about coming in and, and leaving. You have to fill in when you arrive this full-on customs form, which basically declares anything that you have that's like worth more than $50 on your person, plus all the currency that you have. And then they, they, then you have to declare it when you leave, and they compare the two lists. So you have to have your first, the official <laughs> copy, the official cider copy of your first list, and they compare that. And, you know, if, if it looks like you haven't spent enough money while you're in the country, like, like if you... You know, you've been there for a week and you've... What are they going to do? Kick you out? I don't know what they're going to do, but um, anyway, I went into an office um, and the guy was just kicking back in his chair, just, (laughs) what's this? Going through the hand luggage, what's this? I had to, like... Explain everything to him. I think he was just bored, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) Tashkent Airport at, at, you know, 11 o'clock at night is not a very busy airport. I can't imagine Um, that. In fact... I think between the hours of 11 and 6 a.m. there were three flights and I was on one of them. Um, and we had the 2 a.m. flight. But there was... Um, see, I think there... Was there a basic meal? I can't remember. It was a small plane. That's the thing. I don't know. Small planes are not great for long-haul flights. Like No, I don't think small planes are really good anyway. They generally... I don't know. It wasn't that small, but it was like a 60-seater or an 80-seater mm. going seven hours. So you presume that's about the maximum fuel they can... You figure it's probably about as far as they can get on the fuel that they can carry. <laughs> that's a worry. <laughs> that's that paranoia creeping back in again. So, mm. yeah, that's... Yeah. But, you know, I mean, for that price, I didn't care. Did I? I'm, oh, no, you're, you're a man who's quite happy to spend an entire night in a Moscow airport to save a bunch of dollars. I mean, $2, yeah, it's fantastic. You save yourself a whole lot more, though. But, uh, yeah. $2 is what it costs to get to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two dollars, five hundred dollars. I think you got away. I think you got away all, all right anyway. You know how to hunt a bargain up. Well, that's it. But especially when you're backpacking for a long time, like six mm. months or a year or whatever. Then. You know what you're in for, and if you get a check, especially in the first sort of the first half of your trip, you want to try and be a little bit frugal. I mean, I know other people will go the other way and go. Uh, Let's just go crazy. If I ran out of money, I'll come home. But then you'll be like, oh, bummer, I'm going home. <laughs> that, is, that is the one piece of advice that I was always given, is always make sure you have a return ticket. Yeah. It's... Just because if you run out of everything, you can you can get home. That's all right. You don't have to hassle them. And come home with no money. Someone can pick you up at the airport. It'll be fine. 
But as long as you're not over there going, wow, that was a bad idea. But it'd be fair to say that you didn't, you didn't, I mean, even though you were staying in hostels, you didn't do it on the mega cheap there. Uh, in Paris, no, we didn't do it on the mega cheap because it was over New Year's and we just decided to just get somewhere comfortable. I think, I think I know, I think I know where most of your money went though, I mean... Like if you're going out yeah, every day, it's gonna it's gonna cost money. End of the story. It was story. usually hostels and uh, happy hours. Well, you have to. I mean, that's how you keep those costs down. Pretty much. That's that's how it happened. Well, you had a big day walking around with a lot of uh, admission fees to things as well, and getting souvenirs for people and things like that. It's probably where most of mine went. You didn't miss out on much. No, no, it was wonderful. Um, Because when you are doing your $50 a day or whatever it is now, because I don't think $50 a day is viable. No, probably not anymore. Um, It was back in 1999 when I first went, but in Western Europe. I mean, $50 a day in East Europe you'd probably have to do, but um, like Romania or somewhere. But Mm. um, I think especially in the big cities like Paris, forget about it. Yeah, very much forget about it. But I was always trying to balance that with with a bit of free accommodation here and there, a few days away from mm. the cities and stuff, and where you could like go through a day and just, well, you know, I'll stay with some friends on a farm, didn't spend anything for three days. Suddenly, your daily budget starts to look better. Look better. <laughs> Couch surfing at friends' places. That's Not only that, it was a vineyard, so there was wine. That's the best thing about uh, if you've got socially inclined at hostels. You make friends with people there, and suddenly they say, I have a home here. If you ever want to stay, you remember that, and you call them on it. So they like a little while oh, later. It's really big, big time. Yeah. Big time. I did that. Under the proviso that you do it for other people. If they ever need to, it's fine. There's still a few people I'm probably never going to ever see again but if they were called up and said I'm in Australia I'd say you come on over right now and stay here forget this hostel nonsense so it's yeah it's lovely in that regard the camaraderie that often happens between travellers is mm. is and, amazing and the people that you meet you have a few beers with you go around town with see a few things with become instant friends exchange emails and never hear from them again in your entire it's life. It's how it works. It's, that's 90, 95% of the people. But doesn't that make it half the fun, though, is that you know you have a very short time with people who've just, oh, they're my new friends, fantastic, blah, 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 I'll see you later. Good fun, man. And then never again. Wonderful. I suppose people might keep in more contact on Facebook if you're a dedicated Facebooker, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, I'd say a lot of people might see feeds from other people and just, oh, yeah, I remember seeing you like three years ago. No. Well, I think what happens is, you know, if you're not interacting with the people on the Facebook, eventually you go, I might just cut this person loose. Yeah. Don't really remember who they were. All these people that you, you know you spent three days with, but actually you don't remember them. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you, uh, you, uh, you seem familiar. Uh, no, I know I don't speak Swahili. That must have been a very interesting weekend. Yeah, it's just the, all the, 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 the email. Hi, I'm going to be in Melbourne tomorrow. Can I stay at your place? And all you can think is... Who's this guy? Oh, today, yeah. So you're bringing the family? It's, uh, I only have one bed. You're not welcome to it. Of course, these days, the way backpackers can keep uh, the uh, the costs down is with a uh, a very popular w- website, Couchsurfing. Mm, I heard about that. Well, it sounds... You're probably going to have to be cautious about that, especially if people are offering random couches to people. But um, it's a very good idea. It really is. It's using the internet for something profitable. Well, profitable, but good. It's not profitable. People. Nobody's paying anything. That's what I mean. They it's shouldn't be. Um, culturally profitable. We'll call it that. And, uh, I mean, I think it's a great initiative, but I, I also think there's going to be a lot of pop luck involved. Yeah. 
I mean, it's yeah. I, I haven't actually looked at it, so maybe there's a bio of who's there. It says people that like to. You have uh, you have an opportunity to, to rate anyone you've stayed with, and they can rate you, whether they're the who they say you know you rate is that person who they say they are. Are they friendly? You know, and if there was something that they did that was particularly objectionable, you might you might put a note down there for it. I've met people through couch surfing. I've never stayed with people through couch surfing. I'm personally not wanting to offer random strangers a bed. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think there are nine out of ten random strangers are wonderful people, but well, there's a lot of point when you're out in the suburbs anyway. Aren't no, they've got they to come and come out to East Bentley, and they're like, you know, they're they're. they're Thirty Great, minutes walk to the station and another yeah. Where the hell am I? Where Welcome am I? to suburbia. Yes, it's a personal hell for a lot of people. Welcome, traveller. We have a swimming pool within ten minutes walk. Yeah, once you've seen that, you've kind of seen it all. <laughs> That's um, East Bentley for you. <laughs> and boy, it's expensive. It's like nine dollars for a swim. Nine dollars really? for a swim. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in the country where it's just a nice swim. There's watering holes. You go and have a swim in a dam. There's a reservoir to go. Yeah, damn. So would you say, like, Mm -hmm. given the opportunity again to travel, will backpacking be the way that you you would uh, you would approach it? Mm, Certainly, parts of it. Like, I would certainly mean to go backpacking. Whether I'd do it the whole time, I'd certainly have a backpack with me if that's Mm. technically counts as backpacking. I think technically it does. It does, but uh, I think there would certainly be a prearranged hotel on the card somewhere or somewhere. Well, I've always said the the, the great idea is what what I generally do, and I don't put it in my daily budget. I pay for it before I leave, Mm. so it's not in my daily budget. It's like, especially the first night or the last night, it's really nice to have... A comfy place. Yeah, because you do the last leg or the first leg where you... Yeah, it's, it's almost the, the last step of civilization before it gets bad. So... It's kind of like that. And then, you know, I've, I've stayed at places. I've just stayed one or two nights. And then, okay. And I haven't left the city. I've just gone there. Okay, now it's time for a backpacker's hotel or hostel. And, and then that first night at the hostel, it's just like... I want my room back. <laughs> <laughs> it's called being homesick, man. It happens. <laughs> And it's also it's usually pretty interesting if you actually notice the person you're travelling with has got that homesick look about them. They're either they're either homesick and grumpy, or they just haven't had breakfast yet and they're getting a bit snippy. So, it's, uh, what would you say the best and worst things are in backpacking? The best thing in backpacking is hash. Maybe it's just the way I look, but it is wherever I'd go, my friend would make friends on Facebook, and I'd make friends with people who'd offer me hash. I didn't ask them, didn't, never went. Oh, I've got a great idea, hash. No, it just seemed to have, hey man, would you like to this? Well, sure, I'd give it a try. Turns out they're a lot better at doing it over, over there. Like, they, they do it seriously. Some of these people were amazing, what they did. So that was fantastic. Possibly the worst is when you realise that late at night you're making your way to a hostel where you know you need to stay, you think, heavens, I just want to get to a bed, and you arrive there and realise this place is foul. Just one of those hostels you walk in and go, I'm not sure if I can take this right now. When you're already in a fragile state of mind and you just get that extra little kick by sitting there going, oh, no, I've got to do this. No, you've got to tough it out. That's when I'd, I'd probably budget or set aside for a hotel the next night if something like that happens. But, yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's all an adventure and it's great in retrospect. But that is the one part that nearly got me very, very upset, just having to arrive in places you didn't want to be. The next time you get the chance to go travelling, where would you like to go? 
I've always wanted to go and see the nomads of the Gobi Desert in China, but I think that's probably a bit much. Um, I'm not sure if I am... I'd probably have to do a bit of training before that. So I, I've still yet to see Canada. I'd love to see that. Um, you do know they're not particularly close to each other. I know, which is the problem. I was probably going to go to one or the other, not both. Uh, Japan would be nice too. I hear very good things about that. And not so much an interest in America. And there's still a few places in Europe I would like to go to Spain. I've been seeing Barcelona. I've heard great Portugal. I would like to see Portugal. Portugal is on my bucket list. Mm. Um, and it's recently become come on my bucket list because I've been reading a lot of travel blogs out there. Mm. Um, and people have just... Some of the photos I've seen of Lisbon, it looks so awesome. It's and beautiful. it's apparently one of the cheaper places in Western Europe too. It's really? not quite as expensive as your Parises and your Berlins and your Londons. Oh, last time I was in London, I stayed in a hostel. It was foul. It was disgusting. It's, it's London, yeah. And, I mean, that's the thing. Hostels experience always throws something to you. Sometimes they're good. They're surprisingly clean. Sometimes you go into your room and there's a guy with his hand on it under the covers when you walk in and you go, great. I did go into one where we had a house. Or I had, a, had another person. So I, um, it was a four-bedroom place. Uh, me and my friend were taking up two of them. Uh, the third guy was there for three days. We was, he was there the whole time we were there. We only saw him when he was awake on the last day as we walked in and he was passed out on the bed just gone he looks so out of it and in the in the bin next to him was four used condoms and that's all we ever saw him we met him he was a lovely frenchman he was really genuinely lovely guy and we only ever saw him on the final day when he left so what's your opinion if you're in a dorm um you know i mean is dorm a full dorm a place for people to be having sex People are going to be rutting whether you can stop them or not. That's true. But, so uh, but why there's... not do it if you if you got an exhibitionist streak? I mean, hell, are you going to go to your deathbed thinking, you know, I re she was a very, 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 very fine Russian girl I met in a hostel. Why didn't I? It's probably the sort of thing you'd kick yourself over if you didn't. True, you might be making it very unpleasant from the perspective for, people, for but... the perspective of the other people. Yeah, yeah it's. You can forgive them, provided they knock it off after a while. Let me put it this way. If you were in that situation, do you think that you'd have reason to uh, expect that people might tell you to knock it off? Yeah. If somebody, or throw things at you like somebody, a bucket of water. <laughs> if somebody was unpleasant about what you were doing, it's perfectly understandable. You are being disruptive. Like, square one, you're being disruptive. doesn't mean you're going to stop. Because uh, I've, I've been in at least two rooms where it's happened and, you know, being on the bottom bunk underneath where it's happening. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> but isn't that, it's almost, if you're, you're I just, probably not in a good mood when it's going on. You just leaned up and go, mate, mate, I don't think you're doing it hard enough. It's, it's like, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> just go out there and lecture them about it. That'd be fun. That would be a mood killer without being grumpy about it, so... You know, if that ever happens to me again, I might just be that guy. <laughs> just... I just, my personal opinion is, you know, if that's what you want to go and do, you know, for crying out loud, be a little bit, cla it's not very classy. Let's put it that way. I don't think you can say it's classy. <laughs> classy go and backpacking. Get your and... own. That's true. <laughs> Fork <laughs> out an extra 50 bucks and get yourself a hotel room for the night. I mean, you're splitting it between two people, presumably. Presumably. Let's face it, a lot of the people... Would you take a hooker back to a dorm room? 
There, uh, it depends on your mindset, man. It really does. I can't say that I've ever wanted to solicit sex in that fashion, but if I did pick up a hooker, it would probably be in the state of... I'd be in the state of mind where I'm obviously over-caring. So, taking it back to a dorm probably isn't a fast strength from doing that in the first place. If I've gone that far already, what's another step? I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah, pass it over. Yeah. Here's your 50 euro. Thanks, Here's what is your 50 euros. Come back here. But this is a hostel. Oh, yes, that bothers you, does it? <laughs> I was like, excuse me, when you're finished. <laughs> when you're finished, um, yeah. <laughs> I actually met a guy, an Aussie guy, and he had stayed like three or four weeks in Budapest, Hungary, and he felt that the hostel, well, he didn't want to stay in a hostel, he wanted his own room, um, and uh, the rooms he thought were too expensive. Mm. So he paid a hooker to stay at her place. Basically, whatever, you know, she charged per night, he paid that. He didn't have sex with her. He just paid it to stay. And apparently, it, it was pretty cheap. And, uh, I, I'm sorry, this podcast has just become... Sleaze. No, I, I have that effect Totally become sleaze. I have that effect on things. Don't worry. What, what cities in Europe to find cheap hookers? Yeah. Cheap Budapest. For accommodation. I've heard very bad words about Budapest. I have a feeling somebody had a very bad time there. He didn't in fact claim that he was chased first by stray dogs, then by hookers. So he was... I'm not sure what he did to either, Budapest, but it could have been good. Budapest is one of those cities fantastic city, really beautiful. <laughs> awesome city. This has nothing to do with the hooker. I, this is just Every a story. Every city has hookers. This is not one of those stories where I'm going to say it to someone else because it's really me, but I don't want you to know it. Yeah. This is really a story. <clears throat> Jock, we have been talking and talking and talking. Uh, we do need to bring this to a c- conclusion. Yes. But do you know what's coming now? Yes, the I've... Capital City Challenge. Yes, this I sh- is going I to be should get a little promo, little sound, you know, boom, boom, Capital City Challenge. Can you have me weeping in the background at my own ignorance? Please. Yeah, okay, sure. Sweet. Weep away. Uh, give me a minute. Just I'm now. Gonna, I'm just gonna, now. No, wait till I see the result of my answers, and then I'll now, do it. Um, at the moment, the standings are: we have. We have Michael Woolhouse, who's on seven, mm, okay. leading the pack, with Camilla and Andrew both on five. I'm not going to beat them, but yes, let's do it. We have, first of all, I'm going to give you the capital city, you give me the country. Mm-hmm. You've got 30 seconds. You don't know what it is, or you have a brain freeze, just go pass mm-hmm. and move on to the next one. All right. Yeah? And it's as many as you can answer. I'm not going to go, <coughs> what... Yeah, you're not going to cut to an ad break after 15 seconds. capital city of Bosnia-Herzegovina. I'm, I'm going to be faster than that. I don't I'm know saying. the capital of Bosnia, so I'm going to ask that one. <laughs> Kosovo. Sarajevo. Ah, yep. But that's all right. That, did, that doesn't count. No, doesn't yeah, count. no, don't worry. It doesn't matter. Okay, are you ready? Uh, no, but go anyway. Okay. Time starts now. Ankara. Thailand. No, Turkey. Istanbul. London. Oh, England. Are you doing Yep, sorry, yep. Canberra. Australia. I understand. Kuala Lumpur. Malaysia. Mexico City. Mexico. <laughs> Ottawa. Canada. Beijing. China. 
You're on six from the first round, mate. Yeah, yeah, just relatively easy ones. Mexico City. I told I you I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna make it. Mexico City, I, I find very interesting because I always thought it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> you were playing Mexico well, you City. didn't. You didn't know Turkey. Shame on you. I, I, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was. Uh, Everybody thinks yeah. it was Istanbul. No, That's... I thought. It, no, I thought it was countries first. Oh. I thought I had to say the capital city of the country, not the other way around. I mistook the instructions. That's why I may have ruined it. That's all right. You got another thirty seconds. You only need two to take the lead. Yes. But they're not going to be as easy this time. No, they're going to be horrible. I promise it, you. Do this. I need to say the? No, I need to say the capital. You tell me the capital this time. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Finland. Finlandia. Helsinki. Helsinki. Oh. Cuba. Nope. Pass. That would be Havana. Um, Romania. No, no. Bucharest. Oh, Bucharest. I told you, man. I'm not Spain. Good. Seriously, man, no. Um, pass. Madrid. I don't know the capital cities. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Jock, well, you're in second position, Jock. Uh, so that's well, how vegan. I wasn't. I was expecting last. I'll afford my. <laughs> no, no. You tell me a city, I can probably tell you where it's from, but you tell me, uh, the ask me what the capital is, and nothing. It's the capital of Russia. Moscow. What's the capital of USA? What's Washington, D.C.? But they're pretty well-known ones. What's the capital of Brazil? No. Brazilia. Brazilia. Not Rio. Not Rio. I didn't think Rio was the capital. Like, she told me, is that the capital? I'd say no, but I couldn't tell you what the capital is. It's like Istanbul. Jock, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. Yeah, no worries. And um, maybe we'll, uh, we'll hear from you again in the future. Perhaps. Thank you very much. Cheers. Jock Reed Hill, everyone. Yay. Um, if people want to reach you, hear about your writings, is there any way they can reach you? Uh, I don't have anything particularly set up right now. I'm still in the process of working on it. But no I can't Twitter, leave. no. Uh, you can find me in uh, the Little Raven compilation, which is currently out, uh, Volume 2. Is, uh, the Little Raven compilation? Yes. What's that about? It's a uh, collection of erotic fiction. A collection of erotic yes. fiction. You heard it first there. Most yeah. of it's set in Budapest. Yep. So. Well, a little bit. Thank you very much, Jack. No worries. Thanks very much, Andrew. And there you have it. That was my interview with Jock Reed Hill. Parts one and two now complete. Jock into the World Journeys Capital City Challenge with six as his score behind a couple on seven and so forth. Um, so... We'll see how that stacks up at the end of uh, the year to see who takes out the crown as the World Journeys Capital City Challenge Champion. Uh, next week we have an interview uh, with someone who's moved to Australia a few, well, number of years ago now and recently become an Australian citizen. So we'll talk to Susie about that. It's going to be a really interesting uh, interview, so please do tune in for that. Uh, don't forget, you can find me at worldjourneysdiscover.blogspot.com as my blog where you'll find a regular travel themed posts and uh, of course you can also find me worldjourney75 that's at worldjourney75 on the twitter so please uh, 
wherever you are, stay warm or stay cool if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and it's really hot. Uh, and come back next week for the World Journeys podcast. Until then, may that journey never end. Go.